And I welcome you on behalf of Pastor Henry Harder and the Renewal Singers to another broadcast of What's New. We return today to our study in the book of Romans, moving on to verses 14 through 17 of chapter 1. These verses will conclude the brief section where Paul expresses his desire and longing to visit the church in Rome. Before we began our Christmas break, we looked at the opening verses of this section, verses 8 through 13, and here, once again, are these verses. Let me say, first of all, that wherever I go, I hear you being talked about, for your faith in God is becoming known around the world. How I thank God, through Jesus Christ, for this good report, and for each one of you. God knows how often I pray for you. Day and night, I bring you and your needs in prayer to the one I serve with all my might, telling others the good news about his son. And one of the other things that I keep on praying for is the opportunity, God willing, to come at last to see you, and if possible, that I will have a safe trip. For I long to visit you so that I can impart to you the faith that will help your church grow strong in the Lord. Then, too, I need your help, for I want not only to share my faith with you, but to be encouraged by yours. Each of us will be a blessing to the other. I want you to know, dear brothers, that I planned to come many times before, but was prevented, so that I could work among you and see good results, just as I have among the other Gentile churches. Now, this brings us to verse 14 and to today's study. Paul continues as follows. For I owe a great debt to you and to everyone else, both to civilized people and uncivilized alike, yes, to the educated and uneducated alike. So, to the fullest extent of my ability, I am ready to come also to you in Rome to preach God's good news. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is God's powerful method of bringing all who believe it to heaven. This message was preached first to the Jews alone, but now everyone is invited to come to God in this same way. This good news tells us that God makes us ready for heaven, makes us right in God's sight, when we put our faith and trust in Christ to save us. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scripture says it, the man who finds life will find it through trusting God.
states in verse 14 that he is obliged to the civilized and uncivilized people as well as to the educated and uneducated. He is speaking of those Gentiles who spoke Greek or followed the Greek way of life even though they may have been Latin-speaking citizens of the Roman Empire. Then the other Gentiles to whom Paul ministered would be non-Greeks so literally barbarians a word that probably imitated the unintelligible sounds of their languages to Greek ears. Now here to bring us today's study is Pastor Henry Harder. Martin Luther, that great reformer, called the book of Romans the perfect gospel. It was this gospel that Paul was obligated to proclaim. That's what he writes to these Roman Christians in verse 14 and 15 of chapter 1. He states, I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and to the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. Actually, Paul said, I am a debtor. We need to ask, to whom was Paul in debt? To whom did he owe a debt? to God or to people. He owed a debt of gratitude to God. Because of God's call upon his life, he had a moral obligation to fulfill. The obligation could only be met by making known the gospel to everyone everywhere, to the Greeks, that is, those who inhabited the regularly recognized Greek areas, and to the non-Greeks or barbarians. These were the people outside the regularly recognized Greek areas, such as Spain, Gaul, and others. The Spaniards, the Gauls, the Celts, and the Scythians needed to hear of Christ. The point of this verse is the universal character of this message. It is for the cultured and for the uncultured. 
The gospel transcends all boundaries of nations, races, colors, and cultures. Paul felt obligated to make the gospel known to everyone everywhere. How many of us would be willing to go to Washington or Tokyo or Moscow or Cairo or Damascus or Amman or Jerusalem to proclaim the gospel? It is for everyone. It cuts across all lines of races, cultures, and languages or religions. Christianity is not a Western or an Eastern religion. It's not just for educated or just for the uneducated. To Paul, the obligation to preach the gospel to the Greeks and barbarians, to wise and foolish, was not a burden to bear. It was a duty he was eager to perform. He did it with tremendous zeal and joy. Had Paul lived in the 20th century, he would have made every effort to take the gospel to the greatest nation's capitals of the world. Rome was the world's capital in his day, and that's where he was headed. Then Paul adds, I am not ashamed of the gospel. That is putting it mildly. That was an understatement. It's like saying that Tarsus was no mean city. Paul meant that the city of his birth was great and sophisticated. So when Paul wrote, I am not ashamed of the gospel, he meant that he gloried in the gospel. The reason Paul said it this way was to increase the effect. Paul had good reason not to be ashamed of the gospel because, he said, it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. The gospel has the power of God in it. That is, in the gospel resides God himself. And through it, God himself flows to man. That salvation comes to anyone and everyone who believes. Paul is very clear. The effectiveness of the gospel depends on man's willingness to receive the message and to believe in Christ. Unless man exercises faith, the gospel remains totally ineffective. Faith, not works, is the key ingredient. The gospel is the panacea for man's spiritual need only when he receives it. This forces man to look away from self-effort. Man must rely totally on faith. That's hard for humans to do, but that's what God asks. Simple faith and simple trust pleases God. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. God acted decisively when He sent Jesus Christ to die and when He raised Him from the dead, and He is the object of our faith. It is impossible to have salvation any other way than that. It is in response to faith that God gives his righteousness to a person. Paul writes, For in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. One final point. That gospel was first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. So writes Paul here in verse 17. What does that mean? Does the Jew have essential superiority? Not at all. 
Paul means that historically, chronologically, the gospel came to the Jews first. They had historical priority, not essential priority. They didn't hear it first because they were essentially better than other nations. They heard it first because God had chosen to use that nation as a vehicle through which to bring the gospel to the world. It didn't make them better than any other nation, but it did make them responsible. Paul's statement that the Jews should hear the gospel first has been fulfilled. The Jews did hear first historically. It isn't necessary now to bring the gospel to the Jews first before it is given to the Gentiles. The Savior is waiting to enter every person's life in response to an invitation of faith. Here is how the renewal singers say it. The Savior is waiting to production of Creative Encounters. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 848, Shafter, California, 93263, USA.